0: Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute, where social justice, human development, and community building come together. This is where you will meet activists, artists, teachers, scholars, helpers, and healers who are bringing creativity, hope, and possibility to individuals and communities all over the world. Power to the developing. I'm your host Desiree Wandin and today I'm here with a very very special guest who is with us all the way from Florianopolis, Santa Catarina, Brazil. I'm here with therapist Bruno Lenzi. How are you doing Bruno?
1: Hi Des, very good. Awesome to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Yes, yes. Well you're a very very history person and you work with a great organization in Brazil. So we're so excited to have you here and learn a lot about your journey. Um, Before we go into that and the the, the audience gets to learn about your organization, I want to focus a little bit about you. You have a very storied kind of history, and this is kind of in your family. Where does being a therapist
1: start for you? (laughs) Maybe in the womb, not (laughs) metaphysically speaking, but my mother was pregnant of me when she was doing her uh, training in family and marriage uh, therapist. So just as she was being trained uh, herself and her colleagues opened the institute that first trained their team. So they, they were an associate, association that uh, uh, called for teachers to train in the family and marriage therapy. Just after her training, she uh, uh, got elected as director of this institute. This was 1987, the year when I was uh, born. Since then, she's training therapists uh, for this, like, maybe 25 years. And I was uh, being raised in this community, uh, getting to know the therapists, being playing around as a kid. And when I got in the age to, to choose for my professional life and graduation, I I thought with myself, I really like talking to mom. I really liked talking to mom's friends and listening and imagining their adventures in therapy and the, the tense and the chill moments, the laughs and the tears. So I... I was convinced that I, I would like to do psychology as my my graduation. I talked to her about it, and she was, like, hesitant and a little bit surprised. It's like, you're going to do psychology? It's not easy, my son. Uh, you're going to have to work hard. I, I cannot do anything for you. You have to merit your own uh, uh, quality and clients. It's not something that just being my son will uh, open any any doors for you and I said no I I know I I don't I don't want it to be easy I want it to to be felt Mm -hmm. and I then started studying psychology get got graduated and then 2012 after my graduation mom said okay you're graduated I I was studying uh, family therapy also and she said you have to go abroad and bring something new to Brazil. You, you have to go abroad and study with the fountain, the state-of-the-art practice. And with my university teacher, we selected Houston, Texas, to study under Harlene Anderson's uh, collaborative and dialogical therapy. I spent a few weeks over there, but in an intensive... Uh, immersion in their institute and practices. I had clients, I had board meetings, because I was coming back to be director and council member of our nonprofit. I I got into everything that the Houston Galveston Institute had to offer. Mm. I came back with that uh, knowledge and experience to start teaching and And, and to develop. To to,
0: to take it back a little bit, you said that (laughs) In your youth or throughout the years of you growing up and being in that environment you really enjoyed the process of speaking to others listening to others listening to your mother um seeing your mother speak to people what what do you think it was about that that you took to in such a young age
1: i think it was the connection the intimacy the vulnerability i i do remember two episodes one and it must have been like a synthesis of many episodes in the lunching table, we were having lunch and mom was telling us about her feelings after seeing a client and uh, what she was thinking and the reflections she took with her after being with uh, clients. And I was like, Oh my God, that's, that's really uh, improving and transformational and developmental to, to be with someone, between quotes, to help that one person. But getting out of that uh, uh, encounter, being helped yourself, being transformed yourself, uh, mutually transformed, a mutually trans- transforming uh, practice. And the second episode was when I was like playing around the institute and the client uh, missed the, the session. And uh, her students had to have a client because it was practice day and I was invited to have a, a role played conversation with my mom's students, and I was like, "Oh, okay, sure." And I went there, and I like started opening myself about myself, about family, about issues, about my my life preoccupations as a young teenager. And it was very intense, and and I cried, and the therapist cried. The therapist was a little shocked, like, "Oh my god, this is getting too real." <laughs> and we were all like, all talking. And we developed that moment of uh, uh, dialogue, real and intimate dialogue. Those seem like
0: very, you know, very open and very, you know, genuine and special moments. Is that something on a a mental health level that is common in Brazil for people to, to share it or give in that way? Or was that something very unique in your experience growing up?
1: Mm. I think Brazil is, has a culture of openness to intimacy, to, to vulnerability, yes. Although it is something very particular to our family, as, as I see other families, that we have like symmetrical dialogue since the beginning. Uh, mom was already very uh, uh, into... The study of uh, children development and ZPD zone of proximal uh, development, and I do believe that it was like uh, it's not it wasn't at all uh, methodological, but it was something that came from the body. It was an embodied practice that mom has still have in her daily life to connect with people to be interested, and to be open to vulnerability. Yeah. That's different from what we are used to see.
0: (laughs) Wow, thank you. So fast forward, you go to the Galveston Institute in Houston. I'm sure that was a very challenging time for you and a a transitional time coming from Brazil to the States, and then you're going to, like, Texas of of all the states. Um, And then your mother telling you, you have to go abroad and you have to bring back something new. Did you, when she said that to you, did you take that as a personal challenge? And what were, what were the thoughts going in your mind when she said, you have to bring something new?
1: Yeah, thank you, Dad. That was, that was inspiring. I, I did felt like uh, challenge accepted. Mission given is mission accomplished <laughs> in that kind of way. Um, but I felt that responsibility of using my privilege to, to do something different. Mom is already was already tied to the work here in Brazil. I, I didn't have clients at the time. I was beginning uh, my life. And that was the opportunity to, to really leave the experience from the inside in another institute, uh, state of the art practices, and bring back all these uh, uh, privilege to be shared over here that's when uh, for me it clicked like it's not about my career it's about uh, using everything as i have as a white man uh, from a, a economic privilege uh, background to develop society to develop communities to share whenever and to whomever we can
0: yeah and and i'm curious to I know sometimes when we wanna bring something new or we wanna do something new, we kinda have an idea in our mind compared to how it actually happens, how it actually naturally happens or occurs. What was that for you? I'm sure you had some ideas in your mind uh, based on what you learned over there in Texas Galveston about what you were going to bring back to Brazil, what you were gonna do in Brazil. Did it manifest the same in, in real life that it did in your mind, the ideas?
1: oh no i was young naive and immature <laughs> uh, and i thought i was going to be taught a lot but what i got was a lot of relationships and a lot of questions and a lot of curiosity and interest, and interest and that was very transforming and i was like i remember uh, an episode that i was like writing down everything that Harleen was was talking about and she was like oh Bruno I'm really curious to to hear about what you're writing down what's catching your interest and I was like oh no, no I I'm just interested to, to listening and to to getting everything you can there like, no no but I, I insist I, I I am really curious to know what is getting into words over there and I was like oh that's that's strange it's she's interested in me not not the other way around. I mean, I was interested, but she made sure I had voice. And that was the another moment of clicking that, okay, th- that's about it. It's not about uh, content learning, but about relationship uh, investment and being there and being curious, being interested. And at the same time, of course, uh, managing the whole, group the whole lot of voices the the voices that have more uh, uh, easiness to come versus the voices that need more stimuli to be spoken so that was a moment of of transformation yes in houston
0: <laughs> and coming back to brazil what was what was your your plan and what and how were things for you when you came back to brazil
1: yeah when that was, that was a turbulent uh, moment because we were already very uh, into uh, narrative practice over here and a little bit of collaborative approach, as we talked about that time. And I brought the social constructionism uh, in weight to our community. It was really uh, performed in our daily lives, but the language was alien at the time. And it was a moment of really uh, burning our heads together to get the language, to, to bring it from thought to body, bodily expressions and spontaneity. It was a moment of, of a, a lot of dialogue, a little bit of debate, but we all came out from it uh, really connected to this, Larger community of social constructionism and these relational uh, practices, the, with the hope of transforming society one conversation at a time and bringing people together, not because it is for everybody, but because it is for people that are feeling different, feeling excluded, feeling these same values as we do.
0: Yeah, and then, um. In speaking of feeling, you know, devalued, excluded, there are certain ways that that's done to everyone, you know, universally, but can you give us a little insight to how that looks in Brazil? How does it look for the average person or the lower income person or the middle class person to feel that way or to be that way? Um, in your experience, are it the same factors that render people in this way?
1: Yeah, I think maybe if I go to outside the, the question, you, you bring me back this, please. But I I just got connected to a memory when I was still learning uh, right in the beginning of my 20s. Uh, and I was participating in a, in a group therapy that was meant for uh, low income people. Our whole nonprofit is made. To, to help to uh, not help help is a, a bad word uh, but to uh, welcome low-income people excluded people for a different kind of conversation so in this in this group I was listening to all those realities and just like the the general way that we were being taught to practice therapy wasn't uh, didn't fit with those realities. We needed something new. We needed to build with them something that were going to be useful for them, that they were going to be authors of it. And that's very collaborative. That's very social, social therapeutics. And, and then I, I began to, to listen closely to our clients and to, to bring their voices to the development of our uh, uh language of the way we all were building a community that trained therapists that uh, offered therapy individual family me- couple therapy community and group therapy also it's something that we we do listen a lot that people are are like they have to be thankful for the little bit that they get yeah. in our uh in our health system, and I mean, our health system is is a lot more than we we get to, to know that you guys have in the states, right? We have a, a governmental health system that still works. is being destroyed slowly, <laughs> little by little, but it still works in the whole country. Um, but it's it's very precarious. Is that a word? Precarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's precarious
1: very precarious and people were like okay oh thank you so much for for this and we were like okay but tell us how can we get that no no you're all you're doing so much you're you're perfect no 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 we we insist be critical we insist tell us how to be better and people started giving us honest feedback that they had but they were afraid to give uh i don't know maybe because retaliation exclusion Mm. and as we do, listen that to a lot in the general services. So people are asking us to to be listened to. People are asking us to to be participants, to be uh, part of the developing of the services that they use, and we are uh, responding to that and engaging. These new clients, new participants, new students to think about that if they also have have this desire, this will to to be part of something, to develop something together as a community, not individualistic, but uh, thinking about privileges, thinking about people that doesn't have the the same privilege as I have, as, or as another different person from me has. Um, This all take us to the sensibility of being very attentive to bringing different people closer to the central to the most intimate moments of conversations about uh, our future, the future of our organization, but also the future of Brazil and the world as a whole. Did I answer the question? Yeah, you did answer
0: the question. Absolutely, okay. gave an insight into what's going on. Yes. When we come back after this commercial break, we're gonna take we're gonna speak about just what Bruno said. We're gonna speak about the future of Brazil. We're gonna speak about his NGO, Assim. We're gonna go into the history and some of the services they're providing for the community. Thank you so much for listening to All Power to the Developing, and we'll be back right after a quick commercial break.
1: I'm Melissa Meyer, Associate Director of the Eastside Institute. Welcome to All Power to the Developing. I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. In each episode, we introduce you to some amazing performance activists, play revolutionaries, and developmentalists from around the world who talk to us about their creative grassroots efforts. To build a better world. If you like what you hear, please follow and share the series. You can find us on Amazon, Spotify, and Podbean. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas. Like everything at the Institute, the growth of all power to the developing depends upon the people who create it and benefit from it. We hope you're one of them. Thanks for your support. And now back to our conversation.
0: I hope all the listeners have enjoyed the conversation thus far with Bruno Lenzi and um, Asim. That is your non uh, your NGO is a nonprofit institution born out of bringing the dream out of bringing therapeutic care free of charge at a social price for those who most need it. Um, in 2007, around 500 consultations were carried out. In 2017, there were more than 8,000 individuals, groups, and consultations. 2018 you served more than 11,000 people and in this 12 year history has provided 39,542 services to individuals couples and families wow that is a lot of people um speak about uh asim you said it's born out of the dream of being able to have accessibility of mental health services for everyone why do you feel for you bruno why was it such a i mean you gave in your background and of course it's very obvious why but why is it such a focus for you in brazil that mental health services need to be available for everyone
1: yeah it all goes back to to my mom's work again Uh, she worked at the university federal hospital so it was a, a it is a big hospital here in the city and She had all these moms and uh, babies and children that were low income, very vulnerable people. And then we started uh, uh, seeing as mom, my mother is graduated in the first class of psychology in our state. Um, So psychology and therapy were made for the very rich, the elite, and the very crazy, psychotical, institutionalized uh, populace, right? And I say that with a lot of irony, <laughs> just to, to make sure. Um, so, mom had this, uh, this, this moment of realization that we were talking about conversation, we are talking about relationships, and she wanted to bring these kinds of relationships to everybody, not these uh, mystical, mythological practices a uh, very Eurocentric, but uh, a material conversation, a very Brazilian way of talking to people, a very local way of uh, fostering local knowledge, community knowledge. And since in these last 35 to 36 years, we've been doing just that, bringing people together to access a kind of relationship that will be interested in People's contexts, people's histories, people's cultures, and uh, uh, really strengthening people's mm-hmm. voice to be uh, louder in criticizing the ways that society are trying to. Society is trying to making them silent, making them grateful for the breadcrumbs that we're getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah man we cannot be grateful for the breadcrumbs we need more we need more than the breadcrumbs Um you speak of the people I'm curious of the therapists um I can make the assumption that some of them are coming from more traditional background or more traditional psychology how is it for you guys training these therapists with some of your alternative approaches are there any challenges in that for you
1: Yes yes absolutely we do have a training that is open for a non-psychologist. So we have this tension between the psychologists that usually come with uh, that expert view that I have the knowledge, I have the answers, I have to tell the people what they have and how to uh, overcome it, how to cure it. And at the same time, we have the non-psychologists that are very insecure for not having this knowledge. We try to bring this thesis and antithesis together to make a synthesis of uh, that there is a knowledge, yes, but it is not of how to to, uh, uh, make people cured. It is not what people have but a knowledge of how to be with people. We train our teams to develop improvisational ways to connect with every kind of people, families, and problems. Uh, That's the therapist's expertise, to be relationally able to connect and uh, foster dialogue, foster expression, vulnerability, and creativity, of course, in the main focus, not to resolve, but to foster creativity, will to do something different in our daily lives. And the expertise... To 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 be conscious that the expertise of the content, the only person that say that can say what they have and how to to do something, how they already do something, is the client, is the other one, the person that is inside the reality, inside the the problem. Uh, yeah, so that's the tension mm-hmm. to to deconstruct professional expertise at the same time strengthening relational expertise as something that we all have. It's not privileged to psychology to be able to talk to people, to be able to connect, to be able to strengthen uh, relationships and creativity.
0: You mentioned earlier your personal transformation in in going to some of the programs. Have you seen a similar transformation in these professionals and non-professionals alike? And can you kind of describe what that looks like on each side?
1: Yes, it's great. I, I, I am living this moment right now. Uh, a few weeks back, I was telling my colleagues that for a few years, I was very alone in like training my, my colleagues to, to really embody this, this language, to be really secure with uh, uncertainty, to be secure in not knowing. And then last week I was listening to them and I was very emotional Told them that I I waited for that for uh, years. And now we're talking like uh, without any effort in relational ways, in inclusive ways, in developmental ways, not excluding, not individualistic, not guilt pointing or shaming or judgment. So it was a, a experiential moment. Uh, to be there. And that's my, my most, my main motivation today, to, to really bring this, uh, the, the more engaged, the, the one, the, the one therapists, not one, but the several therapists that are really connected to us, to give them more, to, to, I don't know, just to, to bring them closer, to give them more opportunities, not that I have the power, but I mean, to, to be attentive for opportunities to share to I don't know really uh, trampoline these colleagues yeah, to canapult. this place that I that I got from a lot of privilege of course so we're very committed to to bringing in black therapists it's something that is still rare over here not because we don't have uh, black psychologists but because education is so expensive that it excludes black people from being therapists and our education, our training is free. People just have to work with us. So, yeah, they have to have a lot of free time and it's it's attention that we are leading. But we really want to bring LGBT people, uh, BIPOC to our uh, community so we can really deconstruct this white, elite therapy or even the the how do we say in english the the therapy that is made from charity charity was the word yeah. the charity therapy we we really have uh sour taste in our mouth when we think, and we see a lot of these institutes still going around that we're trying to criticize and subvert and do something different
0: yeah what um and yeah, thank you for sharing a lot because when you said that you said that. You really want to kind of pull these people to get to a level of having that same transformation that you once had and and you want to give them that support to really go there with this and with these alternative um, therapies you said earlier you you use you want to train in, in in creative and improvisational ways to build these can you give us some examples of of creative and improvisational ways of what type of things you're doing or using tools you're using for your work, or in
1: your colleagues are using for your work? Yes, sure. We, we like to uh, bring the practice since the beginning in the training. So our students are, since the beginning, uh, inserted in uh, community therapy and therapy as a reflective team, not. Uh, uh, not directly with the client, but as a, ref- uh, as a team that observes and reflects the therapy being made by uh, a couple of um, more experienced therapists. And our, our training program isn't uh, fixed. its is, It has a general direction that is developed session by session with the students so we can adapt. To what they are living in the practice, to the clients that they are seeing the things that are that are crossing their hearts, and do some learning that is made from within their lives. And we we do believe, and we we are seeing every day that this kind of uh, learning, uh, we could call it uh, the collaborative learning communities. This kind of learning is. Uh, is appropriated, is offered by the student, and it's very similar to the transformation that we, uh, we're fostering to happen with our clients, a transformation that is that comes from the testing, the creative ideas that spontaneously come to mind in our daily lives, and then reflect about them in the therapy room or in the classroom to to engage community language and uh, exercise expression reflection uh, listening to the responses and then it's a dialectical process dialectical and dialogical process of growing with growing with it's not individualistic
0: yeah yeah brazil brazil is known as you know, a place of, of of a lot of energy, high spirit, high frequency, but in 2020, you know, the world went to a massive, massive, massive dilemma and uh, the COVID. And one of those countries that was greatly affected was Brazil due to some political decisions that were made. What was your, just take me there. How was it that time period for you and be it all the things that were happening? What was your response, what was Asim's response, collectively your organization's response to you know the turmoil at that time?
1: Yeah, it was March 16th, Friday, if I'm not mistaken. It was Friday, maybe 16th, 17th or 18th. It was in the very early first uh, occurrences of COVID in Brazil that we already felt it. We cannot risk anyone. We cannot risk our clients, we cannot risk our secretary, we cannot risk our therapists. We're going online, fully fully online from this weekend, from Friday to to Monday. And it happened like that. We asked for our client. We had a community therapy that day that we announced that we're going fully online. And clients were like uh, shocked, and they were like, "No, no, no! Please don't do that with us. Uh, it, it it's not it's not going to last. It's it's just a, a flu." And people were very resistant for this moment, but we had to to make a, at the moment a controversial dece- decision, and risking uh, not seeing these clients again. Because we could not risk the the in person contact anymore, uh, so this was Friday. Monday we started uh, searching for tools like Zoom, meets, and uh, every other one to to train our therapists, especially older students that had difficulty, our low income students that didn't have internet access. We started getting in community meetings to, to how to make, make it possible. I, I think it was like two weeks at most. And we were already like fully operational. And we think, seeing that it was expanding like crazy, the COVID. Uh, we started a new program that it was a free single session we offered a free single session, in-based in free single session. It was not something from our minds, but in-based, especially in Bloom et al. And uh, Bobel et al. Uh, uh, papers about a single session therapy to really have conversation with people that didn't have money to have uh, the, the individual therapy or were like living a moment that they just needed a connection and we oh my god we had like thousands of single sessions that year it was not something that we could sustain for a longer uh, period because it was very taxing on on our therapists also to have these many conversations with different people so but that one year that we did it it was like revolutionary to to get to know people. We we never had so many sessions as we had in that one year. When a lot of institutes were stopping, we were exploding in numbers um, and in training. And then we we were able to start training therapists that were not local because our training went fully online too. So we have now therapists from all over Brazil. And... uh, it seems that we're very big, but we're not. My wife says that I get our project smaller than it really is. But, it, I, I mean, it's, it's a family project. It's it's so many house rules. And we're just now getting the recognition, the international recognition um, uh, of what we're doing. But, yes, that first year was like crazy stress. A lot of... Uh, uh, conversation we expanded the council of our nonprofit to have more voices to think creatively even if people were not uh, fully engaged in the language or a little immature we risked bringing these people to to develop the nonprofit and maybe get mature while doing it it was a very successful experience now we do it every time all the time and get a little more a little less uh, conservative, not not with the full weight of this word, but a little more, even more uh, risk takers, even more uh, adventure driven, to do something that would really uh, answer to the moment of calamity that we were living. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It was such a major transitional point, and when you said you know, when you, when you spoke about, um, you know, things being in person and then kind of having to make that very quick call of bringing everything online. It almost reminded me of the Eastside Institute because that's almost what we did. Um, we had to make the quick call to bring everything online and it really opened up a lot for us. Speaking of the Inside Institute, you had an opportunity to meet, uh, Lois Holzman through being a part of the Taos Association. And, um, how is how has that been for you to meet Lois Holzman and learn about her work? You're someone who has been working in your field for many years and, and and traveling through many schools of thought, and now you're encountering a woman who has been working in kind of a a, a similar field of critiquing traditional psychology for many, many, many years and develop an approach. How is it for you to, to meet Lois Holzman, and then how is it for you to learn about the Eastside Institute's work, and has that impacted Asim's work and your, your personal
1: work? Yes, uh, and it, it all started, of course, with the, the fascist uh, government that was growing in Brazil. We were being heavily criticized because we are we are for the people all the way through. Historically, even unpoliticized as we were at our nonprofit, we were very political. We were bringing low-income people, uh, BIPOC people, LGBT people to voice, to speak, to representativeness. <laughs> and then COVID, and then Bolsonaro. And we, were, we started uh, uh, getting committed to it. Like, we, we, cannot, we cannot be silent. People can't be in doubt if we are like, uh, uh, over the fence, we, we cannot afford the, the doubt. We have to be straight into our... Uh, straight and clear in our communication. So we started uh, doing these political statements of values, of, of stances, of sensibilities, not, not uh, party-like, but politically nonetheless. In our uh, media, in our uh, uh, presentations, and we got a lot of people that were like, "You are, uh, you, you guys are leftists." But, but I thought, uh, I, I thought our president was good for us. Of course, very uh, made ignorant people, and we were like, "Okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it." And, and people were like. Getting using the service, being in the community. Of course, a lot of people are like, oh, no, if you're with the left, if you're more left than I am, then I, I don't want to use their service. Or even the, that general critic that we shouldn't make a statement, but we we risked ourselves again doing our statements and trying to, at the same time, in basing our practice. And I was like, we have to find someone that works Wittgenstein as we do, uh, social constructionism as we do, and at the same time has a political statement that we're trying to do that has experience. And I was searching for um, papers and dissertations and thesis about Marx in dialogue with Wittgenstein and constructionism in dialogue with Marxism and that's believe me or not lois did not come in this did not come out from these researchers and i do believe because google is trying to keep us apart and for not collecting and organizing with each other but uh, jokes apart sorry google (laughs) please don't put us down (laughs) Uh, but i was like doing my own research and finding of course things especially in, in brazil people that were already uh, getting this consciousness and a lot of Paulo Freire's work, it's amazing, it's Brazilian, it's, oh my, goodness. Oh my god, I got so close really
0: right, right literally 10 oh feet <laughs> away from me, I got a couple of the books
1: yeah, yeah, well, Paulo Freire would be proud of our practice I do believe, because there are so many people uh, dishonoring his words and we're trying very hard to bring him uh, first and foremost first and foremost in our education program. But then I was invited to be part of the Taek, and uh, the uh, Taos Institute Associates Council, and Lois was there. And I was like, uh, and we had a gathering that I, I listened to Lois's work. I was like, oh my God, is she talking about? Uh, political activism, she's talking about social therapy, and I started researching Lois very, uh, 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 very um, embarrassed at the, the moment. Uh, it Actually, it started a little before, because as I was getting more in contact with Taos to be more active as part of our social statement, I found out about Lois, but I didn't know who she was. Uh, for me, she was Hoseman, Hoseman L., not Lois Hoseman. And I was like, oh my God, that, that's really good work. And oh my God, that, we're so I like them. And I was uh, just reading everything she got. But then I got into TAYAC, the council, and I met Lois Hoseman. And I was like, embarrassed to, to not being able to have met and contacted her before. It was a tentative to get closer. And she was full of ideas, full of brilliance. And I was like, oh, can I be part of that, of that initiative? And I was getting close to her. And then now we, I, I really, uh, uh, getting all the opportunity I can to be close to you guys, because in a very smaller scale, I do believe we we have the same sensibilities, uh, different cultures, different contexts, different activities, but the sensibilities, the values of uh, promoting the power to the people. And that's where we are. And we do believe this relationship will keep making us grow in a faster rate. In a more conscious way, uh, because yeah, it's already a lot of. We still have a lot of prejudice here in Brazil. A lot of uh, strength against uh, politicization, against we making our statement, against we uh, uh, mixing Mm. something that people say that it's different. Of course, we have uh, a fully committed uh, uh, force for silence, force for individualistic initiative and not collective organization. And maybe it will be your, your next question, but that full gets us so full of hope to be working internationally with an institute as old as as old and experienced as you guys are, to to really uh, make us do the next jump yeah get the next steps
0: yeah very excited for that that sounds that sounds absolutely amazing um thinking about your story your journey i mean usually for someone you know it starts maybe in their teenage years and maybe they go to college and then it goes from there but this is kind of from you said the womb you you could call this from the womb to the room you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know, you said this from thinking about your journey and going up. what, what are your future goals with the organization and yourself? Um, what, are, what are your future goals and dreams and plans? You said this came out of a dream to, to kind of make the playing field for social therapy and for mental health services equal. What are the future plans and goals and dreams of Bruno and Asim?
1: Yeah, a, a, a big and ambitious goal is to be closer to public politics, closer to community health uh, committees, to, to popular communities. To And we're just starting right now, my colleague and co-author of a, a paper we named uh, Collaborative Community Therapy. It's in Portuguese, but it's on Google. My, she's co-author with me, and she's now starting to uh, train teams to go to the neighborhood. Again, after COVID, we were very disarticulated des- to, to go back to the in-person therapy, and she's training these teams to go to the neighborhood, to the, the associations, and talk to people in community therapy groups, uh, and to listen to these, these, uh, uh, no, to these people that has no internet access, that has no way to come to our service. Our service must go to the people, must go locally, must go to the neighborhood. And that's uh, an ambitious goal. Uh, that's short term, maybe midterm. We have to expand our uh, staff, expand our facilitators expand our mature team, so we can expand training groups so we can expand community groups and then the long-term goal is to go fully political and be part of not party political but be part of law writing of uh, community, uh, I don't know how to say it in English. But when the the poli- the politic the politics comes to the to the community and the society to be active to be vo- vocal, we do have access to a reality that no one else does. These people that are coming to us, they do not find uh, therapy, quality therapy, with health insurance because it's very precarious do not find it in their governmental uh, health system because it's too qual- qualitative and we are being uh, deconstructed every every day. But we're doing it as a community. We we know it's not meant to be a an, an private initiative. We don't want to be uh, a, a monopoly of therapy. We do need the government and the public services to listen to our reality and start learning from this community, not myself, not my colleagues, our clients, our therapists. These are the people that represent the majority in Brazil, and these are the people that need to be signing the laws and building the future of our country.
0: Well said, well said. And I hope that it materializes and it will materialize because you guys have definitely been putting in the work for the last decade. Um, this is a question I want to kind of ask in kind of ending and, and phasing out. Thank you so much for being with us today on All Power to the Developing. How is it for you to go through all of these challenges? I always ask people, how do you build resiliency? How do you build resilience? How did you build your resiliency through all these challenges, through all these years, through all the political dilemmas, through all the financial dilemmas I can imagine. And also, you being the therapist, you're a human being in yourself. I'm sure there are some down days, up days, days where you're sad or some things may happen in your personal life. Who do you get to speak to about things going on with yourself?
1: Thanks, Des. Very, very sensitive. And I, I was thinking about three groups of people that inspire me my clients and students that are getting these conversations for the first time like a client that oh i've never been to a group therapy in the beginning very embarrassed and then at the end talking about him or herself and say that oh i love the group therapy I'll, i will come back next uh, session and people that are with our community therapy for months now, and they were like veterans. We like to call them veterans of the group therapy, and they were like helping the newcomers to to get to know this community. And soon, we don't need a therapy, a therapist in this community because the the clients that are, that are there for a longer time can do them this, can do it themselves, can facilitate these kinds of conversations themselves. That's the first group, and my students, of course, that. Maybe they come in depth, like, oh, my God, I am a psychologist. I'll, I'll have to pay for it for the rest of my life with all the money I can do, I can get. And I have no access to continual education. And they have it here. And, and they were like, talking. Bruno, uh, I, I've never thought I would be able to, to read this material. I never thought someone would uh, uh, give me the confidence to, to have clients. And it's not about me, Bruno, because I just listened to these testimonies. I, I am just one of the facilitators now, but they—it's a reality that we must uh, make visible. These people do not have another place to 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 be participant of, and we are committed to it. The second group of people is my most intimate relations. And most symmetric relationships, my wife, my mother, we the three of us work at our nonprofit. so it is a family project. And we're talking every day. I, I was even even telling Eve my wife to this morning, while we're having coffee, that I really enjoy our philosophical morning coffees, because it's a way to start the day uh, sharpened and motivated. And even if we need a little angry about the social injustice to do something with this energy that it requires from us, or although uh, we're being swallowed by the the, uh, hopeful, the the hopelessness of that the the, the main powers want me to 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 feel, and it's easy to feel. But the third group is being close to uh, my teachers, being close to Lois, being close to Harleen, being close to the East Side Institute, and seeing these people that are 20, 30, 40 years older than me with the same energy, or even more energy. <laughs> and the success that you guys got in doing that, uh, even uh, in, in, in ways that I, I would never... It's so courageous. Uh, When I read uh, Fred Newman's texts, I think, oh my God, Fred was the man of his time because he wouldn't be in peace today. He would be canceled every day (laughs) Mm at all the social media if he was saying what he said uh, in a good way because we we do need to get those uh, uh, reality checks that Fred gets to, to give us in his texts. But yeah, being close to my teachers, my inspirational partners is the third group that gets me going every day. When the bad day gets to us, we have to to look around to the most intimate persons, intimate people that we have around us and really ask to our part, if possible, to ask for a moment of uh, listening, of expression, of uh, checking, and I I said we, but I mean myself and my inner voices, because everyone has his or her own way. But my bad days is uh, dedicated to being with myself, being with, being in intimacy with other people to just to rest, because I do believe most of my Uh, mental issues are just tiredness and if i get a full weekend of rest if possible i get a new monday and new energy to to keep going and yeah a lot lots of sleep lots of water lots of conversation and dialogue
0: (laughs) yeah sounds like everything you need to, to 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 proceed Lots of sleep, lots of water, lots of dialogue. Maybe a little coffee in there too, right? Brazil has known for its coffee. Uh, I would like to thank you so much, Bruno Lenzi, for for being with us here at All Power to the Developing. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey, and we really look and hope and look forward to seeing the rest of what you have to offer, you and your organization have to offer. If you would like to learn more about Bruno and his organization, you could go to asimsc.org.br. I'm going to spell that for you. That is A-S-S-I-M-S-C.org.br for Brazil. And they are also on Instagram. Yes, Instagram. You know you're on Instagram too, looking at all those videos. And they're at A-S-S-I-M-S-C. Asim S-C. Um, Performing the World is right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. Get your early bird tickets. Performing the World is going to be taking place from September 28th to Sunday, October 1st. You can find out more about Performing the World at performingtheworld.org. This is all power to developing, available on all major platforms. If you would like to write to us and let us know how you're feeling this episode, I know you're going to love this episode. You can write to us at podcast.com. At eastsideinstitute.org. That is podcast at eastsideinstitute.org. Let us know what you love about the podcast and we would love to read your response on the air. Again, my name is Desiree Wanden, the host of All Power to Developing. It was a pleasure building with you today, Bruno. Anything you want to say to our listeners?
1: Thank you so much for this opportunity. I feel very honored. It will be a moment in my career to be part of this podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: And all Power to the developing.